Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone who's interested in growing sales. Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by the Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program. Are you looking to experience a breakthrough in your team's sales? Have you tried sales training in the past, but were unable to make it stick? The Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program is a year-long engagement that combines sales and leadership training, a digital sales playbook, and a coaching and accountability process that will change your sales culture and drive sustained growth. Learn more at criteriaforsuccess.com. Throughout the month of May, we've been writing and talking about storytelling and sharing best practices to help you tell more meaningful stories. You can check out the blog for best practices, information, and advice for you and your team at criteriaforsuccess.com blog. This episode of Let's Talk Sales is continuing our monthly series of training episodes where we share content from our Criteria for Success training curriculum. If you're able to do so, make sure you take some notes. We'll be sharing a lot of best practices and advice that you'll definitely want to implement. As always, this is Ariana Miskell, the Marketing and Innovation Manager here at Criteria for Success. And today I have our Operations Officer and Senior Advisor, Elizabeth Frederick. I'm so excited about our conversation today, Ariana. I know we had a conversation back in episode 151 where we were talking about storytelling and um, giving some advice there. But this, uh, this episode is really intended to be specifically training focused. We are sharing so many tips and best practices. As I was kind of preparing for it, I think I learned a lot. And yeah, so I, I believe our listeners will learn a lot from us today. And I apologize to everyone. I have severe allergies at the moment. It is definitely that time of year. And I sound like I have a frog in my throat. But And now there are sirens outside. The show goes on <laughs> in the podcast world. It does. <laughs> So as I said before, uh, today we're going to be sharing best practices when you can use when you're telling stories in sales. We'll talk about the science behind storytelling, why storytelling is so important for sales, and how to incorporate it into your sales process. Also, we will be releasing our ebook on storytelling for problem solving in mid-June. So stay tuned to our website if you're interested in downloading it. We will be releasing it on our June newsletter. Um, and also look for the other resources we'll be mentioning, as always, in the show notes at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 155. So let's get started. <laughs> I first want to talk about where storytelling began and some of the science behind it. So we're going to go back a few million or tens of millions of years. I'm not exactly sure how long. <laughs> Way back in the day. Way back in Charles's era. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Charles. <laughs> it was Elizabeth. It wasn't me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so as you might know, storytelling actually predates writing. Storytelling began with, with speech combined with gestures and expressions. And I like to say it's kind of like acting out a play, but you're also including the narration part. And just to jump in, if you even think about the most ancient forms of writing, they're they're drawing pictures of yep. stories. And so if we think of those really, you know, cave drawings and hieroglyphics and other things like that, that was literally... Um, audio, uh, oral storytelling, right. and then it turned into writing 
demonstrating those same stories and then over time it's transitioned into writing and now our words look nothing like kind of like the rosetta stone i don't know if you've ever seen the rosetta stone but it's absolutely amazing definitely um but i also just want to get back so storytelling is natural it's an instinctual way for us to communicate with each other Um, And in fact, according to the cognitive psychologist Jerome Bruner, we as humans are 22 times more likely to remember a statistic or fact when it is presented in a story. So stories with data trigger both the right and left sides of our brains. We're going to get more into this in the uh, later part of the podcast, but they engage us and make us want to listen. And um, you probably won't remember that statistic I just gave you because it wasn't in a story, but so it's you okay. Need to tell us a story about how <laughs> you were listening to Jerome Bruner tell about something, and he mentioned that we were 22 times more likely to remember stats when they were in stories. I don't know if that's enough of a story to remember. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll we'll think of something but anyway so think about your own relationships whether it's your family uh your friends stories are passed down from generation to generation think about when you get together for holidays at least this is what my family does we Mm -hmm. reminisce and tell stories about the past whether it's um stories about us or stories about maybe late relatives yeah nobody ever forgets the embarrassing thing you did when you were like 13 years old (laughs) and somehow it comes up every single year when you go home one thanksgiving (laughs) i was very young and we had we used to play with a strobe light in our basement because my dad's in a band and they play during the summer mm-hmm. and everyone was upstairs and we were the kids were all in the basement probably listening to whatever pop music at the time and strobe lights impair your vision yeah and I didn't know this and I they think someone said dinner was ready and I ran upstairs and I ran into the wall oh my so hard because probably gave yourself like a concussion but if anything you guys will remember that probably yes. more than the quote I'm the statistic i just mentioned right now <laughs> from from jerome bruner but you'll probably remember the fact that i ran into a wall when i was a child and i would imagine your family remembers that too definitely definitely so storytelling like i said is just the most natural way for us to communicate and another statistic for you is that storytelling actually makes up for 65 percent of our daily conversations so believe it or not you are already telling stories Um, So start listening to the way you talk with not only your prospects, but your family, friends, and colleagues, maybe your current clients. And like I said before, chances are you'll find yourself saying things like one time or the other day, or actually this reminds me of, and you share stories about common experiences, crazy situations, or even stories others have told you. Absolutely. And this is probably why the reason that storytelling makes up such a big part of our conversations is that it's enjoyable. It actually really satisfies different parts of our brain. And our brain is hardwired for storytelling. We are literally more engaged. More parts of our brain turn on when we are being told a story than when we're just trying to digest cold hard facts. So If we're reading facts and figures, our brain focuses on decoding the meaning. It's figuring out, it's translating what it is that we're reading, and it uses the language part in the left side of our brain. But when we read or are told a story, the language part of our brain lights up, but so does the part that we would use if we were literally experiencing that story that's being told to us. So storytelling is activating these four things within the brain. And I I have another story since we're talking about storytelling. Um, I had a professor in college and I don't remember his name. That's okay. But I remember his class and that's the point. It was on ancient Greek history, Mm -hmm. which is pretty extensive, tons of dates, tons of crazy names that you have to remember. And it was one of the best classes I've ever taken and probably my best grade of my life because he told us 
he taught us everything as if it were a story. Mm -hmm. We started at one point, I don't remember the exact point, but we went through the Spartans to whatever else. And it was like a movie. Each class, he would pick up where he left off and he told it to us like it was a story. That's and amazing. It helped me remember everything yeah it was it was really amazing so much different than if you just read this person born this date died this date accomplished oh. these things this person born this date, useless died this you know this war lasted from this year to this oh. year. it was about this topic yep. so much um of information can be presented in that way versus if you think even if you watched a movie about something historical mm -hmm. you remember it a lot better than if you just read the history kind of in bullets yeah definitely so well, the first thing um, in our brain that's working is a process called neural coupling. So the story has the ability to activate the parts of your brain to feel like you're experiencing the story instead of having um, just heard it. So for example, you might hear a story that um, involves somebody being angry and the part of your brain that processes anger is going to light up like you're angry. So you mm -hmm. might walk out of that story feeling <laughs> angry. We've all been there. Maybe you watch a movie and it's a love story mm -hmm. and people are very loving and emotional and you walk out and you feel more romantic. Mm -hmm. Or um, if something is sad, when you watch a sad movie, you feel sad. I'm yep. using movies as an example because that's such a common way of storytelling. But I could just tell you a story that's sad and you're going to feel sad. Definitely. The same thing actually happens... Um, related to activities and it's the same kind of neural coupling. So let's say I told a story about swimming to you and it was about somebody that was swimming in a pool. The parts of your brain that actually go into action when you're swimming, the muscle controlling parts. I'm clearly a brain scientist. <laughs> um, but those will activate like you're swimming. And then the if you're talking about a pool, you might actually start to smell chlorine almost in your brain. And your brain is actually coupling its processes with the story that you're so telling. So your own experiences that you've had with the story, you're relating to it, it sounds. Absolutely, you're almost putting yourself in the story. Um, the next thing that happens is dopamine. We all like dopamine, that makes <laughs> us feel good. Um, and dopamine is released into the brain when we hear stories, especially again, those stories of things that are more emotionally charged. So if you think back throughout the course of your life, the strongest or the most clear memories we have are typically when things are emotionally charged. Mm -hmm. When you're just having kind of a normal day that's just very calm, that's usually not terribly memorable. But if you think to um, emotionally, whether it's emotionally positive, mm -hmm. um, you know, a wonderful day that you had where you had great experiences and that was really significant to you, you remember that. Or unfortunately, um, days when tragic things happened and right. maybe somebody, um, you know, passed away, we can all remember where we were when that happened mm -hmm. because dopamine causes memories to be more firmly embedded into our brain. And so even that story that you were telling, I would imagine that was a rather emotionally charged mm -hmm. day for you when you were running <laughs> into walls. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and so this will let us remember the story in much more detail than remembering, for example, a presentation. So um, we talked about this already a bit, but mirroring. So different from neural coupling is mirroring. And your brain activity, when you're listening to a story, will actually sync up with not just the story that you're hearing, but actually with the speaker that's telling the story. And they'll actually have similar brain activity to each other. Mm -hmm. So if you imagine like being on the same page, literally if your brain is yeah. lighting up in the same areas. Um, 
And then finally, cortex activity. So this is a little complicated, but um, as we've been talking about this, when you're processing facts, only a few areas of the brain are in use. And those are called Broca's and Wernicke's areas, very related to just language processing. But stories, as we've been talking about already, those are lighting up other areas, sensory areas, mm -hmm. um, emotional areas, uh, creating different chemical reactions. And so people are going to be more engaged when they're hearing stories. Definitely. So with all of that said, storytelling is very natural for us as human beings. Um, and in fact, it's the preferred way that we all communicate. And it makes our brains do things that boring old statistics and graphs just can't do. So now... But I like statistics and graphs. <laughs> well, statistics and graphs can be a part of the story to enhance the story. Definitely. But they should not be the final product. They definitely don't mean anything out of context, and the context should be a story. That is true. And so now we're going to talk about why st um, storytelling is so important in sales and business, if you kind of haven't already figured it out a little bit for yourself. So sales is all about building relationships, providing value, and communication. Because of this, storytelling is an integral part in being a successful salesperson or a sales manager. So we're gonna dive in deeper to this. Storytelling is a tool for sales managers. This is because storytelling is a great way to explain tough to digest situations to your team members. Uh, it could also be used to deal with conflict or addressing challenges. And it could be even used to encourage someone to some type of change or action. And when I think about this, I think of a story where Sometimes you might have to make someone feel better if they did something wrong. Mm -hmm. um, everyone makes mistakes. And for those type A personalities, which usually are salespeople, it can be hard to deal with the fact that, okay, you messed up. Let's move on and learn from it. Mm -hmm. um, and it, if I was a manager and I had a salesperson who was, had an issue getting over a mistake they might have, maybe they provided the wrong facts and figures, maybe they lost a deal, um, I would probably tell them a story about when I did something wrong Absolutely. at work. Um, and I, I forget who I was talking to, but someone did had an orientation, or maybe it's just the fact that we've been hiring uh, new employees here at CFS and onboarding them. And it always reminds me of, I was starting my first day at ABC as a, for an internship um, mm -hmm. years ago. And for those of you, for everyone who doesn't know, because no, this is not common knowledge, their offices are one block in New York City mm -hmm. and there's different buildings. Yes. And the address oh, wow. I was given <laughs> on the email, it wasn't specific. It just said whatever the address was. So you're literally just walking around the right. building, kind of so, lost, trying to figure out what door to go Well, inside. I was in the wrong building <laughs> and unfortunately the universe was aligned in a way that there was another orientation going on oh, my for goodness. for like corporate executives and somehow me little old intern ariana <laughs> ended up in this insane you know corporate executive orientation by mistake and the program director for the internship had to come get me in the middle <laughs> of it oh it was traumatizing but oh. You would feel better if someone told you that, Definitely. Right? And I could tell one of my sisters, when she was in college, went to basically the wrong section of the class. Oh. And it was a similar thing. She was given the wrong information about the room. Her, her section had moved to a different area. And she went 
for multiple weeks, not realizing oh, no. she was in the wrong section of oh, the class no. and ended up messing with her grade and it got all complicated oh, and difficult. That is awful. And so it happens. It does. It does. So hopefully that makes you feel a little better about <laughs> of yours. Of course it does. <laughs> So um, one other way that storytelling can be a great tool for sales managers is in training. And when they want to train their teams, um, training through telling stories can be more powerful than just saying, do this, do Mm -hmm. that. But instead, so when you're in this situation, so for example, we were on a sales meeting and we did this and this didn't work. So instead, when Mm -hmm. we're on sales meetings, we're going to do this. And role practicing is kind of a form of storytelling. Mm -hmm. So a lot of different ways that, um, that it's useful for sales managers. But obviously, we know a lot of salespeople are listening to the podcast and also our sales leaders who are listening who want to give examples to their salespeople might want to share some of these ideas. So storytelling definitely helps close deals. Whatever it is that you're selling, um, especially when it's complicated, maybe it's a concept that you're selling, Mm -hmm. an experience, an idea, it's really difficult for potential clients to understand. Um, Obviously, if you're selling like a table, you can show people the table and they right. know what it is that they're buying. But most people are not really selling tables. We're selling complicated um, theoretical things. So imagine if you're selling a financial or an insurance product, explaining what it is. You know, we have a fund. It does these things. Um, that's not necessarily very helpful. Um, let's say you're buying, you know, an insurance product. What does it mean? But instead, telling stories about how it's helped other clients will help your prospects understand the value that it provides. Definitely. And I think it's important, you know, you see a table and you're like, oh, I know what this table is going to do for me. You see a computer. Oh, I know what this computer is going to do for me. But any type of B2B consultative sell, whether Mm -hmm. it be software or consulting, what we do or anything else, it's hard to visualize what the value is because you can't relate to something that you don't know much about. Definitely. And um, obviously, it's different when somebody already is using a competitor. Yes. Um, and then you might need to tell stories that demonstrate the difference between you and that competitor. But if somebody doesn't use your type of product or service at all, right, um, and you're trying to sell into them, you're going to need to tell them stories about why they need it. Um, it. So it's so incredibly important. And something that you'll want to think about is... Um, When and how do you tell those stories? And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Um, But next, storytelling connects you to prospects and clients, not just helping you to close deals. Um, So it'll help you build relationships and learn about the people that you're in contact with. So remember, we were talking earlier about mirroring that happens when we tell stories. When you tell stories, your clients and prospects might actually start to share stories. And this will help you understand them and get to know them and their needs, but it'll help you build relationships. Think about it. Ariana just shared a story, and then I shared a mm-hmm. story that was similar, and we got to know each other a little better. I didn't know that story about her. She didn't know a <laughs> story about my sister, not me. Um, but it allows you to get closer to people. And it's so important when it comes to sales and when it comes to um, ongoing relationship with people that you get to know each other at a little bit of a deeper level. And sharing stories is a great way to do that. And you just demonstrated too how you can successfully share other people's stories and yes. still have it be as profound as if it were your own. Definitely. <clears throat> so the last point we have in this section is that it's probably the most um, well used in the business world. And that is that storytelling is the most powerful u- tool used in marketing. 
And just think of the ads that you connect to and remember that they're usually stories. I think that the Super Bowl ads are probably good examples of this. The Budweiser ads where the, they've got the puppies, the puppies and, and the, the horses. horses. <laughs> and it's always a story that they're telling, even the sillier ones. It's just the generic story of, you know, like lost puppy gets found by Budweiser horse. I love that one. That and then cry. you drink beer and you're happy, I guess. <laughs> I don't even drink beer, but I love those commercials. Or the... Google it, Google uses storytelling in their commercials really well when they came out with the Google searches through stories and it kind yes. of goes through a period of time with the videos in the background about how they relate. Great job, Google. Um, but you can also even just imagine uh, a magazine that might be telling you a story or you see people doing something or experiencing something and you picture yourself in that place. And I know a lot of companies, there's actually a lot of regulation on this because especially mm -hmm. for like alcohol companies, a lot of times they try to be synonymous with having a good time mm -hmm. when everyone probably knows that that's not always the case. Definitely. And but picture, you know, the ads that they'll put in a magazine is literally going to be people around a campfire. Right. And they're all having fun and they're on a beach and you're putting yourself in that place. That image is telling you a story. It might not be a true story. Right. It might not be the best story, but there is a story that's contained in that ad. Or Jeeps are somehow always off of like the edge of a cliff off-roading when majority of people who drive Jeeps probably live in the suburbs and yes. keep them in the driveway. They're not exactly climbing <laughs> mountains in them. But still, you know, you relate to the fact that maybe you're an outdoorsy person or whatever else but um even i want to add as the type of people who sell b2b consultative um abstract things storytelling is so important because for marketing a lot of times we have to take ourselves out of our own shoes mm -hmm. um, it can language that we use might not mean anything probably does not mean anything to the people we're selling to and so it's really important to um, think of that when you're delivering a message or trying to get your storytelling across in marketing Definitely. and sales and marketing are closer than ever. So storytelling is very important. Yeah. And it's so important there that, um, that they're telling the same kinds of stories and stories yeah. that are aligned with the same message, because what will be, um, what will cause some dissonance for your prospect is if marketing is telling one story, a big overall story, and they're telling, they have specific, you know, PR and advertising and other forms of marketing, they're telling specific mm -hmm. stories. And then sales comes in with a different story that can be really confusing Definitely. for your prospects. So you wanna make sure that those teams are aligned and are sharing the same best practices. So you might be wondering, I touched on this a little bit earlier, how do you actually incorporate storytelling in your sales process? It is not generally the best practice to walk into a sales meeting and say, okay, everybody sit on the floor in a circle <laughs> around me and let me tell you a story. A little bit different from telling stories to kindergartners. Kumbaya. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> So there are three primary ways to include storytelling in your sales process. First of all, a term that um, Charles and I quite often use with our clients is the idea of sales anecdotes. Because people hear stories and success stories and they think, I need to write a book. Think of a three-sentence, five-sentence story. Think of the stories that we've been telling in this podcast. It's talking for a minute, two mm -hmm. minutes, tops. Um, so you're going to use these sales anecdotes during your conversations with prospects. When you're talking about your products and services, you'll tell stories about other clients' experiences. When these prospects are talking about problems and concerns that they have, you know, they're talking about their needs, they're defining, um, you know, why it is that they took this meeting with you, you want to share examples of when other clients had those exact same problems and how you solved them. 
So one really good practice is before you actually go on the meeting, um, as you're preparing for it, think about what are the offerings that I think this person might be interested in and what are my best clients, um, and not just my personally best clients, what are our organization's best clients where I could tell those stories and plan ahead so that you know enough to be able to tell that story effectively. Um, next, we do want to talk about um, the thing that people tend to default when you talk about success stories, which are more formally structured case studies. These are intended to demonstrate the ROI that you provide. When I, when anybody says success stories, um, this is a lot of times the picture that pops into people's heads. These are typically developed in conjunction with marketing, and they're going to include specific facts and figures that you might not be able to remember off the top of your head. It's more details than you could really communicate verbally. Mm -hmm. um, and if you try to share all this, you might say things wrong, mm -hmm. and then you have to have your manager tell you a, a commiserating story to feel better. Yep. So um, when you're thinking of what success stories to put together into these formal case studies, think of good but not unrealistic examples. Yes. So um, the, again, I think we talked about this back in episode 151, but this is kind of, you know, you don't want to include this, a case study of something you did once and you know you'll never be able to do again. It was mm -hmm. a weird emergency situation. Everybody was at like 300%. Right. You were all scrambling and you did it. That's great. Um, that might be a sales anecdote you could say to demonstrate the extremes you go to. But when you're writing up a case study, have a high average example. Right, because Something, you don't want false advertising. Definitely. If people feel like, well, my result doesn't match that, you don't want them to be disappointed. So something that people could expect and kind of stretch to. Again, you can share verbally the examples of the extreme ones, but then you want to say, so, you know, this doesn't usually happen. Mm -hmm. um, so, for example, we had a client that um, did legal staffing. So if people needed um, primarily document review, um, they, there was some sort of litigation happening and they needed to go through all these documents and see what was discoverable. Um, super fun stuff. I think mm -hmm. computers are doing a lot of it now. So those poor lawyers are all out of work. But... Um, they had a situation happen where somebody needed to ramp up, I believe it was 300 attorneys, and wow. complete a document review process over the course of a week Wow! because of the timing. And I don't know how they let it get to that point, but they could tell a story. We did that. We made it work. We made it happen. Now, generally, they are not spinning up 300 people to right. scramble and do things in a week. But by telling the extreme story, what they were saying is, we do, we do what it takes for our clients. Mm -hmm. And we make sure that whatever they need, we provide it. And we if we commit to something, we follow through. Definitely. Um, and so you can tell a story and say, you know what, this isn't normal, but this demonstrates a value and that's a powerful thing. So think about that again, the difference between what you put in the case study, which is the more realistic, mm -hmm. Um, achievable example. And then sometimes mm -hmm. you're sharing sales anecdotes that might go a little outside the bounds. Definitely. And then finally, this is a little bit of a weird one, but I want everybody to consider that references are actually storytelling. It's a little bit a different form of it. So if you can give a prospect references for them to contact directly, you're setting them up to literally hear a story about your services. I never thought about it like that. Yeah, it's a little bit different. But the best way to incorporate references into your sales process is to prepare both people. Sometimes we just give somebody a list and say, hey, contact Bob. Mm -hmm. He bought this before. Um, he'll tell you about it. That's not a great way for your prospect to learn mm -hmm. or a great way to set up for Bob. You know, for this person who gets on the phone, um, Elizabeth said to call you. 
<laughs> Hello. Yes, not all that fun. So you might want to tell the prospect about specific concerns that they share with this reference. So for example, we have had, um, we've had clients where um, when we talk about our program, we say you should have a sales growth team that you form that's a cross-functional group that is going to um, implement a lot of the parts of this program that your company implements. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not going to do all the heavy lifting for you. We're going to support you, but we need you to build up this function within your team so that when we're not there anymore, you have a robust um, mm -hmm. sales growth team. And so we've had clients say, I'm concerned that I won't be able to stand up that team. I won't have enough people um, or my people might get pulled into other things. So if we provide a reference, we might say, hey, whoops, as I'm throwing things around, we might say, hey, talk to Mark. He had a really similar concern to yours. Mm -hmm. And um, I want you to ask him to be real with you about his concerns and about what he experienced mm -hmm. and the challenges that he experienced. And it can be incredibly powerful um, to hear that story, again, from the person you're not telling it. They are. Um, and sometimes, you know, they might decide these challenges are too much for me. That's mm -hmm. that's actually good for you to know. You don't want a client that's going to be unhappy. Um, but by hearing that a, a client went through it, and obviously if they're willing to provide a reference, they got through it successfully, mm -hmm. a lot of times that will allay their concerns. And then you want to actually also connect with that potential reference and mm -hmm. say, hey, Mark, hey, Bob, hey, Sally, whoever it <laughs> is, um, you might be getting a call from this company. Um, you know, this is the type of, pro they're, they're going to do a very similar project to yours, but they're in this different space, this different thing. Um, and one of the things that's really come up a few times is this. So if you could um, think about before your call that, um, it might be helpful. And so prepare them a little. Um, it's fully appropriate to do that. Um, and that's just helping um, them to have a more valuable conversation for both of them. Definitely. So as always, we are going to wrap up the episode with how you can use your sales playbook to help you throughout the storytelling process. Um, so I guess we can first talk about a little bit what you were just saying, Elizabeth, and that's documenting success stories in the sales playbook. Definitely. Um, so a lot of times people think, again, when I'm documenting success stories, I'm just documenting case studies. Right. They all have to be, you know, 500 words with facts and figures and pictures and right. statistics, the graph. testimonials. Um, and you need those. And, mm -hmm. you know, think about um, your business. Think about how many um, offerings you have you should have a case study for each of your major offerings and for each of, uh, if you work in different markets, Definitely. you'd want to have one for each offering in each market. So kind of think of a matrix. So when we sell this offering to this industry, we've got a story about that. But when we sell that same offering to a different industry, maybe we have a case study mm -hmm. about that. That will take you time to build up. So um, list all those things, build out that matrix, and then prioritize. Which are your key sales targets? Which are the ones you're focused on and the ideal ones? And build out those case studies first. And we kind of have an ebook that talks about this a little bit, right? Is that the How to Sell Anything ebook? Definitely. And so um, the next thing, you know, once you've done the, the case studies or once you've got mm -hmm. your plan for case studies, you'll want to think about those sales anecdotes. And a lot of times we think that those are just in people's heads mm -hmm. and it's just the deals that they've sold and they can reference those. That's fine. Sure. That's great. But that new hire who has never sold anything at your right. company before, they don't have any of those sales anecdotes. And as we talked about earlier, Elizabeth, remember, gave us the story about her sister being in the wrong class and not realizing it. That wasn't her story, but it still had the same meaning in our Definitely. conversation. And if my sister had never told me that story, I would not have had the ability to tell it to you because I right. wouldn't know it. 
Right. So you need to enable um, your team to share those sales anecdotes with each other. So even your experience traps, let's say I've, I've been on your team for 10 years, but I've never sold to a law firm and I go to a law firm. Mm -hmm. It's really helpful if Ariana sells to law firms a lot and I know some of her stories. Definitely. So I can share them. So the best way to do this in the playbook is in what's called the problem opportunity matrix. And we have an ebook that we wrote about this called how to sell anything to anyone mm -hmm. and it really gets into problem solving and discovery oriented selling and a big part of that mm -hmm. is success stories so i know i've just talked your ear and off here i'm pretty sure next month um on our blog is a problem solving slash problem opportunity matrix theme definitely so if you want to learn more as always stay tuned to our blog yep and the podcast and we'll the be podcast. talking about pot, uh, problem solving really throughout the entire month of june the problem opportunity matrix is actually i think my favorite tool that we teach just because me being in marketing it's so useful for me as well mm -hmm. um, and i know the impact it has on salespeople. so it's a pretty great tool so make sure you stay tuned because we're going to be talking about it a lot yep um, and going off of what you said about um, documenting everything in the playbook, especially for new hires, mm -hmm. a best practice that we always like to talk about is to make sure that new salespeople read the playbook as part of their initial learning. And I don't know if you want to elaborate a little bit more on that. Or... Yeah, definitely. Um, so certainly once you've documented those success stories in the playbook, you need to make sure that you're training your whole team on them, but also especially you're training those mm -hmm. new hires. So don't assume that people will find information. Mm -hmm. You need to tell them it's there. You need to maybe review it with them. Um, and one good practice, and this is a little more advanced, but I've seen some of our clients do this, is you could actually interview your experienced sales reps um, and record them telling the stories. Mm -hmm. uh, again, it's a little bit of a project, but I've seen a few of our clients do it, and it's incredibly powerful when you say, hey, Jane, you know, you closed this deal. Can you tell us a little bit about that mm -hmm. client? Um, and you could even, if you're talking to the sales rep, get into where'd you find the opportunity? What'd you do that helped you close the business? So it's kind of a win story more than mm -hmm. a success story. And then, okay, so what was the client's problem? Um, what did we develop in terms of a solution and then what was the result they, they achieved all you need in a success story are those three elements the problem the solution and the result nice. and so um, if you can interview your sales reps you could do it over audio or video whatever makes the most sense and then put those in the playbook that's something that you could say hey everybody we've got a new success story from brenda in the playbook everybody mm -hmm. please watch the video before next week's sales meeting yep. and then you can ask brenda any questions you might have about that story definitely and that goes into the fact that you have to keep managing your sales playbook and the definitely. especially the storytelling training within the playbook because there will always be new stories and you don't want them to be stale Maybe it's about, maybe your software has gotten updated or your mm -hmm. product has been updated. You don't want to be telling stories based off of things that you no longer do. So it's important to manage it and keep it updated. Definitely. I'm going to do that right now. So we used to have in our old office, and this was when we were in Times Square years and years ago, we built out a cold call coaching station in the back of our office. You wow. might not have ever heard about this. So we had cubicles. And we had clients, um, and the client that used us the most was a real estate company. And they would literally have, especially their new reps, come in, and they would make phone calls. And we had a coach who was sitting who could listen in on their phone calls and talk to them, but their prospect couldn't hear, could say, hey, ask this question oh and provide gosh. coaching. And that was a relevant thing. So when we wow. were telling stories, when we were selling at that time, we would tell that story mm -hmm. to people and say, you could have your team do this, blah, blah, blah. 
we do not have that anymore. Right. That is not a key part of our offering. So we don't tell that story as part of our sales process. There you go. If we had that story in our playbook, we should remove that story from our playbook. Right, because you don't want a new sales rep to come in thinking it's something that you still offer. Definitely. And it's so incredibly important to prune your playbook over time. I actually wrote an ebook on keeping your sales playbook moving. And that's something that I would recommend if you've built out your sales playbook already. We'll include, by the way, a resource for building out your sales playbook in the show notes. But if you already have a sales playbook and you've got some success stories in there, you'll want to think about what are my strategies for maintaining it on an ongoing basis. And we've got a lot of great tips in that ebook. I'll say as the writer of it. <laughs> or if you're interested in a sales playbook, give us a ring because that's what we do. Definitely. And we love it. Definitely. But anyway, so I hope that you all got a ton of insights into storytelling and how it can impact sales at your organization. As always, thank you so much for listening to Let's Talk Sales. You can find the notes for today's show and the resources for everything we've mentioned at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 155. Tune in next week when we will be interviewing Andy Paul, the CEO and founder of Zero Time Selling. Yeah, that was a hugely fun interview. He came in in person. I absolutely loved our conversation. I think our listeners will really appreciate it. He also founded an organization called The Sales House. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Andy was a pretty nice guy. Pretty cool. (laughs) Fun guest. So in the meantime, stay tuned for this Friday's inspiration where Elizabeth will be sharing a great quote from Tahir Shah. Indeed. No spoilers. (laughs) And to our dedicated listeners who listen all the way to the end of every episode. We love you. (laughs) We do. And we want to learn more about you and how we can improve the podcast to add the most value possible. So please take our podcast listener survey. You can find it at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod survey, or there's a call to action in the show notes. Just click on it. Um, The survey shouldn't take more than a few minutes. And if you complete it, you enter yourself into the chance to win an Amazon gift card. So for the rest of the month, we will continue to write about storytelling on the CFS blog. So check it out at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod. And as always, if you're enjoying the show, please recommend us to your friends, your coworkers, your colleagues, your prospects, your clients, your friends, your family, your pets, people on the street, (laughs) and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, feel free to leave us a rating or review. This helps us so much. Um, It helps people find the show. It helps us know if we're moving in the right direction for you guys or not. And remember to follow us on Twitter at let's underscore talk underscore sales. And Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by myself, Ariana Miskell, the wonderful Elizabeth Frederick, and the wonderful Laura Marshall. Happy selling! Happy selling!